0: a biohazard condition. Yes, sir. I do
1: aerosol contamination. Seal the building. No one in or out. I've done
2: it. This is not a drill. We've had a we've had an
1: accident. Welcome to Now Playing's review of Warning Sign. Two, four,
2: six, eight. I don't want to
0: radiate.
1: Part of the Now Playing viral outbreak movie review series. You son of a bitch! It's germ warfare. Hosted by Jacob. Well, I hope he brought his Lysol. Stuart. Isn't he supposed to be our man? And Arnie. Oh, God. You're getting sick. Yes, I know. But I can still work. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Who are you trying to protect? Everybody. You, me, your wife, the public. Listener discretion is advised. We're all fine. Let's go.
3: Today, we're discussing Warning Sign, starring Sam Watterson, Kathleen Quinlan, my Italian cousin, Yafet Koto, Jeffrey Damon, directed by Hal Barwood. This is Arnie from Quarantine. And Stuart.
0: And this is the co-host who feels rage, beautiful rage,
3: Jacob. Yes, folks, I am in quarantine. I've actually broken quarantine. I have not left my bedroom in eight days. I have broken quarantine to come to the recording studio so we could record about Plague. And
2: I'm glad to hear that you're up. You sound pretty good. It sounds like things are going well. Yeah,
0: this is not a joke or a bit, people. This yeah. is for real. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're, you're awfully chipper about it, but just to put it in perspective, you seem to be dealing with it well, and, and we're glad about that.
3: We usually record on Wednesdays. I came down with it on the Thursday after recording. I had like six days of hell and I'm back (laughs) for this, but I'm not feeling my best. I haven't gotten the results of the COVID test back. I did get one of the coveted COVID tests. They did take a cotton swab and stick it so far up my nose, I think they swabbed my frontal lobe. I don't think I have COVID. I think I got a flu or something. I don't think I'm sick enough for COVID. But in an abundance of caution, yes, our local respiratory clinic has ordered me into isolation for two weeks. But yes, I felt like if there's a movie that I should break quarantine to discuss, it's warning sign in our viral outbreak <laughs> series. Yeah, because they
0: break a whole lot of rules in this film.
3: Yes. The 1980s is a huge
2: decade for a pandemic. You know, the AIDS crisis explodes. I wanted to cover one of those films, but they weren't made in the 1980s.
0: Yeah, they all came out in the 90s, right?
2: They did. I mean, let's just call it what it is. You couldn't be gay on screen in the 1980s. It was this big taboo. And if they dealt with AIDS, it was usually like in a very sensitive TV movie, like an early Frost Or like an indie film, like one of Steve Buscemi's early movies, Parting Glances. And none of them talked about it as an epidemic. They were just stories about gay life, and one of the characters would be infected with HIV.
0: Oh, see, I remember the one AIDS TV movie, I think, from the 80s that I remember. It wasn't even about gay life. It was about a kid who got it from, like, a blood transfusion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't even want to address that.
2: Ryan White, was de- he was a hemophiliac. So yes. they definitely did try to push that narrative and that story. And one of the lessons we can learn about pandemic is, until
0: it touches everybody, it's very easy to marginalize. Or at least a celebrity. That's when Reagan noticed when his buddy Rock Hudson died of HIV. That's when he's like, oh, maybe we should use some government money to research this.
2: Yes, it took, I think, uh, seven years from it becoming this outbreak in San Francisco bathhouses to being something that the president would talk about. But my dad was there. Here's the weird thing about my life. I knew about STDs before I knew about sex. My dad led the public health department on sexually transmitted diseases. One of my earliest memories was that he had this shirt that said stamp out sex in really big letters and then in tiny (laughs) letters it said dash, Uli transmitted diseases. And he walked around the mall and people would point and I wanted to just crawl under a rock.
0: (laughs) Yeah, did they just think it was like he's anti-sex? Because that's what it sounds like.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he just thought it was so funny to get those reactions. But he was there and he'd come home from work and he's like, yes, I'm going to all the gay bars. We're doing all this outreach because of this grid, this gay cancer as it was described in the early 80s and eventually became known as AIDS. And if you want to see a movie around this time that was about it, I think you'd have to look at, like, Fatal Attraction. I actually think the whole erotic thriller genre is really a metaphor about AIDS. Like, the idea that if you step out on your wife or you do anything outside of your monogamous relationship, it's going to kill you. Like, in many cases, it's just a bitch with a knife, but she's AIDS. (laughs) That's what it is.
3: I never thought about it like that, but I do like those movies, and I did think those movies, more than AIDS, kept men celibate. Yeah. And if you want to see a movie about the AIDS
2: pandemic, one of the earliest made, it was an HBO movie in the early 90s. It was based on a book by Randy Schultz and the band played on. The movie's kind of me, but it's got a lot of celebrities in it, a lot of recognizable faces. And it does a good job of at least telling you the history about how it all unfolded and what it was like during that time when AIDS equaled death. There were no drugs, there was no hope, and many
3: people felt like it was end times. I really like that movie. When we get to the review of Contagion, what Contagion reminded me most of is And the Band Played On. Yeah. But let's talk about a different kind of outbreak. Yeah, I'm surprised out of all the 80s, this is the outbreak movie that you picked? A zombie movie?
2: Yeah. I mean, what else is there? I was looking. At least this is a movie about it does deal with an actual virus. What is being discussed here is real. I don't know if it's accurate to all the symptoms that you can acquire from it, but Borna is an infectious disease that did break out in a little German town and we can discuss it. So
3: it had some validity. That was the criteria. Oh, so that part's real? Yes. I had no idea that people ever died and came back. That's really happening? (laughs) I'm not saying
2: that what we see on screen (laughs) is an accurate representation. What I'm saying is I looked for an outbreak movie that had some scientific backing. And this writer director was very proud to say he did his research and he wanted this to be as real as possible
0: who's even behind that? like, did this come out in theaters? Like, I've never heard of Warning Sign.
2: And I saw it a lot. It was always on cable. I think what happened was this is a first-time director. It was someone that had worked a lot with Lucas and Spielberg. He was a ghostwriter on Close Encounters and Script Doctor and worked on Return of the Jedi behind the scenes and what have you. And he was finally getting his first and his last movie. Barwood would never direct again, but he wrote the script for Sugarland Express and he just knew the right people.
3: Yeah, I Look this guy up i've seen a ton of his work indiana jones and the fate of atlantis indiana jones and his desktop adventures indiana jones and his infernal machine i played all of those
2: Yeah, on the commentary of this uh, Blu-ray that I had, he basically said that he knew even while he was finishing this movie, directing wasn't for him. He was getting into this whole video game craze that was happening, and that is where he put all of his energy. But at the time, he thought he would want to try his hand behind the camera after writing so many scripts. His thought was, I've written scripts on the cheap so much. Can it be that hard to write movies on the cheap so much? The answer is yes. This movie struggled for budget. Fox was very frugal about wanting to give this movie anything. And at the end, I guess it was a big battle with the producers in the studio. The studio's punishment was, we're going to put you out at the end of summer.
0: August release. Not good.
2: The week after Return of the Living Dead. So, you know, like if people even wanted to see a zombie movie. The
0: much better zombie film. They're not
2: (laughs) going to go to Warning Sign. This didn't even crack the top 20 it disappeared. A blip. You wouldn't have known it happened. But I, it was always on cable, and I just always saw pieces of it. And I wanted to connect to it again. I can't say I was excited, but I wanted to connect the images in my mind and what they were talking about. It reminded me a lot of Andromeda Strain. The pace, the tone, the kinds of characters that were in it. It felt much more science than your average zombie movie.
3: I've never heard of this film until it was put on the list. I just... Went along with it, and I was able to find a copy. Yeah, Richard Dysart. And I have to tell this brief story of my Italian cousin, Yefet Koto. Yeah, I didn't get that joke. Since we've covered him last, I've met Yefet Koto. He was at a convention. What Marvel movie was he in?
0: I, I know you go see all those Marvel people.
3: I do, but I also have almost every living Nightmare on Elm Street actor's autograph. Which one was he in? Freddy's Dead. The Final Nightmare, he was the therapist. That's right, yeah. And so he was at a horror convention, and he had no line. And he was bored, and I was in a hurry. I come up, and I ask him to sign my thing, and he's like, okay, what's the name? And I go, Arnie. And he goes, oh is that short for some Arnold? I go, well, actually, Arnaldo. He goes, Arnaldo, you're my Italian cousin. Oh, okay. I feel
0: that because when I first met you, Arnie, I did think you were Italian from your name. So I get it.
3: A lot of Italians think I'm Italian. A lot of Sicilians, and they are very good about sniffing out Sicilians. I've been mistaken for Sicilian, but no, I'm Brazilian, but I didn't feel like getting into that with your fat Cotto. So I'm like, yeah, I'm Italian. Can you sign my thing? And he's like, Well, you don't give me enough space to sign because I had everybody's signature on it. So finally, after he hems and haws about it, I pull out a brand new one because I'm on my fourth cover and I give it to him. He's like, see, you were holding out on me. (laughs) And he signs the entire inside of a DVD cover to my Italian cousin, Arnie, (laughs) Yafet Koto. Is he? He's not Italian. He is. He is?
0: Yeah.
2: And to be clear, you had him sign Freddy's Dead and not Alien. Yeah. Okay. That seems like the wrong choice, but hey.
0: Yeah, I know. I know, Stuart. Come on. This is Arnie, though. Reno. I
3: had Lance Hendrickson sign the Mangler, <laughs> not Alien. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Now I don't get it, but all right. <laughs> but he was in this movie. I was shocked who was in this movie. I mean, Sam Watterson. Oh, Police Academy tie. Oh, my God, yes. G.W. Bailey from Mannequin and Police Academy. Richard Dysart from L.A. Law and sure, the Thing. But L.A. Law... And Sam Watterson, there was a time in his life that he didn't have gray hair. It was like looking at him in a funhouse mirror, this whole movie. I couldn't believe the cast of this film I'd never heard of.
2: Well, he had just come off of Killing Fields. It was an Oscar-nominated big deal. He was a big get for this movie, but he wasn't necessarily what the producers wanted. They were hoping for a Chris Christopherson, someone that would be a little bit more country, if you were. This is definitely Sam Watterson stretching, I think, by playing the local
3: sheriff. Yeah, understand my go-to for Sam Watterson. Yeah, I I know crimes and misdemeanors, but it's law and order. I mean, he is law and order, the face of law and order. Yeah, he did a lot of Woody Allen. When Woody Allen wanted to
2: cast himself as a virile man, he cast himself against <laughs> Sam Watterson to play the the, the milk toast. That's how milk toast Sam <laughs> Watterson is. But yes, I do feel like most people do know him from that show. show. But they don't know this movie. Should they? Let's find
3: out. Arnie, why don't you give them the plot of... Warning sign, and we can find out what it's warning us of. In Midwest America is a lab that's making bigger, better crops through genetic engineering. Or so they say. In truth, the lab's a cover where they're working for the government on illegal bioweapons. And when a test tube is accidentally crushed, the entire building goes on lockdown. The building's security officer is Joni Morse, played by Kathleen Quinlan. And in the building, scientist Tom Schmidt, played by Police Academy's G.W. Bailey says it's a false alarm and Joni should open the building up. But the lab's chief scientist, Dr. Nielsen, played by Richard Dysart, says it is an actual disaster, so Joni calls in the government's accident control team, led by Major Connolly, played by my Italian cousin, Yefet Cotto. Connolly is working with Joni's husband, Town Sheriff Cal Morse, played by Sam Watterson. Cal is torn between his duty, keeping the base locked down for public safety, and worry for his wife. Major Connolly's men get control of the security cameras, and we see Dr. Nielsen and his men are all dead. The infection is spreading, and it's also hit Dr. Schmidt's group. But worse, these men don't stay dead. The virus is built in such a way that they come back to life, filled with rage to murder everyone around them. So Nielsen's group come back and start to murder the survivors. Desperate, Sheriff Morse goes to see Dr. Dan Fairchild, played by Jeffrey DeMunn. Fairchild used to work at the lab, but quit because he couldn't deal with the bioweapons aspect anymore. Fairchild wants nothing to do with this disaster, but Sheriff Morse coerces him to go back and try to save the survivors. And Major Connolly has declared this a Protocol 2 situation. That means the solution is just let everyone inside die, then clear out the building. But Sheriff Morse won't let his wife die, so he and Fairchild break into the lab through the air intake, and there they save Joni from an attack by Dr. Schmidt and his fellow scientists. And they realize Joni isn't infected. She's somehow immune. Fairchild studies her blood and realizes her immunity comes because she's pregnant. And her blood is full of estrogen, progesterone, and antibodies. With that knowledge, he makes an antiserum as he himself slowly succumbs to the disease. Sheriff Morse injects Dr. Fairchild with the drugs and Fairchild is cured. And he's able to weaponize this cure in an injection gun that they can use on the infected even the resurrected infected, curing them. And they succeed in curing most of the staff by putting the cure in a sprayer that comes out of the ceiling. And as the townies try to break out their families in the building, Fairchild and Sheriff Morse and all the cured scientists come out into the open. All is well, and the accident control team leaves town as credits roll. So my first question is right away, Did the writer of this film sue Danny Boyle for 28 Days Later? Because- Well, did Romero sue him for ripping off the crazies? (laughs) I was like, this really does feel the rage virus, the scientists, the lab accident. I was surprised. I always thought 28 Days was hella original. Let's just be clear. 28
2: Days Later is a horror movie that is meant to be scary and is fictional. Like, this movie has a more scientific bent. We can just start with the actual virus itself. The Borna virus that this movie is based on, what they're trying to say is that it was enhanced by this laboratory. It is real. In the 1940s, there was an outbreak in Germany. You can today catch it. If you're around sheep, pig, livestock, in their spittle, it is possible if you come in contact with that, that you could potentially get Borna and it will cause mental disability. They have found a strong link between contracting this and schizophrenia, depression, and many mental illnesses. They do not see any example of people like picking up hatchets and attacking their loved ones. (laughs)
0: No zombies, (laughs) no dying and coming back to life.
2: They don't come back to life. But again, what they're trying to go for is the idea that this is a virus that actually plays on your mental state and will change your personality. And that's real. I've
3: never heard of this disease, so hope I never do.
0: Yeah, about two-thirds of the way through, you'll get a whole thing about Borna in East Germany and how there was an outbreak. I mean, there's a little scene about it that gives you that history.
2: And as we start here, I think, again, some props. This looks like a real lab. When I see, like, this isolation suit, I'm like, finally, people are using protection. And it doesn't look like a leftover space movie outfit. This feels like when I see the test tubes, the labeling, all of that, I've spent a little bit of time in labs. I know a few scientists... This feels almost legitimate.
0: I agree. Like, again, re- get another lab not as cool as those sliding doors in the Satan bug, but this does look more real. Like, yes. e- even Andronima strains seem like science fiction with that lab. Oh, yeah, that was over the top.
2: Yeah. (laughs) That was a fanciful idea about what the government, if they spent millions and millions of dollars, what a lab like that would look like. Here, this is actually a high school. What it was was that the director said, I hated the studio. I wanted to get out of LA. They wanted me to shoot on the back lot. And that meant everyone interfering with my movie. So I went to Utah and I hired a high school and they let us tear it all apart. And so you're only seeing the outer part of the building in certain angles because it would give it away that this was not a laboratory. If you shot it from another one... You'd see the football field. Right. It, actually, the football field is where they have the greenhouse. Like they, <laughs> they try to make it work wherever they could. But I feel like some props that this feels, of all the movies we've watched, the most realistic of how they would portray a lab like this.
3: I agree. I thought it was nice to see people in masks and suits and rubber gloves. It's just, yes, it, in these days, this is how I want to go to Walmart. Yes. Yeah. No, this lab does seem real the way they're dressed.
0: And then they start making stupid decisions. What are they celebrating here that they've perfected this weaponizing this Borna virus? I mean, we're told it's experimental yeast. It's not experimental yeast. I kind of wish it was, but they're real (laughs) happy. They've done something at the beginning of here so much so that they're willing to take their face masks off to take a picture.
2: Right, yeah, the, what I can tell you, my, it's, I'm just guessing here, is this, this is the infancy of computer graphics or whatever. Like, we see that little computer graphic analyzing the slide, and yeah, they've managed to make the impact of the germ so much more grandiose. It's wiping out everything else on the slide. I take it to mean Borna used to, like, maybe give you a headache or, yeah, lean you towards mental illness, and now, yeah, it can be used as a weapon. If someone inhales this thing, they're going going to go insane
3: and so that's something you gather around and take a group photo for we made a new weapon let's put this in the scrapbook and take your mask off in the lab where there could be cultures of it floating around yeah
2: should i point out the fact that the person making this choice is the guy that we always hate in police academy that's you know <laughs>
3: but richard dysart agrees he's like oh i'm sure it's fine yeah the head of the lab <laughs> The way they drop this test tube that gets stabbed on is ridiculous. He's doing some inspection in a microscope. A post-it sticks to his arm, and that same post-it then sticks to a test tube, and this post-it has super glue that allows him to lift up a test tube and not notice as it falls on the ground. No post-it barely sticks to itself, let alone (laughs) be used as this magnet type of pickup thing. I'm laughing from the first.
2: Yeah, but those are the flags. I mean, you will see later in the refrigerator there are different flag denotions about what's the cure and the antivirus and what's the real thing. It's not a regular post-it. Give them some credit. Like, it's a super adhesive
0: flag.
3: It's a flag, but I don't have any news that it's super adhesive. And it's
0: not just that they've taken off their face shields. When we see Schmidt, GW Bailey, Lieutenant Harris, he's taking that decontamination shower and he's adjusting his contact. That freaked me out. When this COVID-19 stuff came out, it's like, don't touch your face. I normally wear contacts. I took them out because I'm always touching my eyes to readjust those things. Me too. So I've been wearing glasses now for the last couple months.
2: I know. Me too. And my prescription has changed. The the struggle is I can no (laughs) longer... C as well. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But yeah, I've gone back to the old way. But yes, they're giving you a lot of information about a lot of different characters here. It's five o'clock at the laboratory and everyone's going home. It does kind of feel like Satan bug, right? With a little bit of Andromeda strain mixed in because this is supposedly an agricultural biological lab. We're not to think that they're making anything dangerous or for the U.S. military.
0: It opens up with a crop duster. I'm like, oh, that's how it's going to get out. They're going to dust some crops and people are going to eat that corn. It's that whole fear of genetically modified food.
3: And here, what I was having a flashback to was Friday, Top Gun, because we're in a shower scene with Slider. Yeah. Yeah. Iceman's Rio from Top Gun is showering. I'm like, this is way too Top Gun at the opening for me. I would have, Top Gun, you know, you could have replaced that principal character with G.W. Bailey and it would have worked as well.
2: Rick Rossovich was never cast for being smart. You know, like he also was the dumb guy Steve Martin helped out in the Cyrano de Bergiac movie, Roxanne. Here, hes we're expected to believe he's making all that corn extra big.
0: And I thought we were going to get more of a Satan bug scenario. You know, we talk about how you kind of just cover your face with a jacket and you're able to walk out and you they think you're someone else. When we get our protagonist, Joni, who's the security guard, it does like it's closing time. Okay, everyone, leave, leave, leave. I'm like, oh, that's how it's going like, to... I'm always trying to guess how it's going to get out of the lab. That's where I thought this movie was going. It's going to stay there, but I'm like, oh, here we go. Another dumb security guard going to let this thing escape.
3: Oh, she's got to hurry out for her Popeye's chicken. That had to be a plot of play. Placement. Popeye's
0: chicken's good man. She <laughs> should hurry up.
3: Love that chicken from Popeye's. I can't believe. Wow, I hate that stuff.
0: Only fried chicken I'll eat. <laughs> It is small town Utah.
2: The whole community will later have it described as being in a bad financial straits. People didn't have jobs. Suddenly this company emerged and it seemed harmless. And so, yeah, a lot of people that are not scientists and maybe not qualified to be in an environment this dangerous are doing their nine to five shifts here, not thinking it's a big deal at all. And yeah, she is our main character, much like Rick Rossovich, She's going to be trapped in here with her lover on the outside because rick rasevich's girl like escapes just as the doors come down and everyone is trapped in quarantine and it will be about a struggle for those on the outside and those on the
3: inside to reunite i love the lockdown scene i thought for sure we'd get the trope of somebody crushed in the doors though that seems to be something you always see during these lockdowns as somebody puts their arm out and it gets crushed or ripped off or how did you guys take this lockdown in
0: in some ways like it seems very real because as soon as the lab goes into lockdown everyone's like we got to get out of here we see dana this one character she hurries and gets out but bob or fiance is not able to get out like everyone's like open these doors we want to get home in some ways that seems like a very real reaction but i guess because they're scientists i'm expecting them to be like okay we got to follow the protocols and be very rational about it no one is rational about it though
3: Yeah, I thought the people who got out, I thought this plague would spread beyond the lab. I knew nothing about this movie coming in. I didn't know there would be zombies. And so I thought that girl who barely got out would be a carrier or something. No, she gets to wear a bubble the rest of the film.
2: Yeah, she may be. I mean, but yeah, you know, this is a movie that's going to resolve the outbreak. There will be a cure at the end to fix everyone that might have something going wrong with them. But two things to your point, Jacob. One, most of these people here don't know that they're in a highly infectious, dangerous, that's all level four shit, right? Like the evil stuff is happening on level four. And then they really are making big corn on level three
0: and level two. So there is experimental yeast in the building yeah right like okay
2: like what's the worst that's going to happen if there's an outbreak of yeast nothing so most people yeah it's five o'clock I want to go home we see people like fiddling with the pipes and wondering why can't they let us out and their rides are outside doing the same thing all these hicks and trucker hats are like breaking out their guns and being like I'm not waiting more than an hour for my girl like she needs to get her ass out here so yes a lot of people don't understand the magnitude of the problem the person that does understand that is the police academy guy, Schmidt.
0: But even he's like, no, just override the protocols. It's not a big deal. We're safe. Because he checks what? A pump and a pump had died. And he thought that's what set it off. Yeah. He
2: believes that they followed all the procedures. He has no idea that he stepped on a test tube. That has not been discovered. Or touched his eye. Yes. So he has no idea about all of that stuff. And so all of these people are infected and they wouldn't know it. I think he's operating from the idea of if there's going to be an outbreak, it's going to happen on level four. And yeah, those guys are screwed, but at least let us out. Like, I don't need to stay after five o'clock. You can deal with Nielsen down on level four. But the one thing you can say that's honorable about Joni is she's going to follow protocol. She is going to do her job, even though she doesn't really understand her job. And she is going to dial up that modem to talk to Yafet and get all of the uh, military people in here to sell the lie that this is all about experimental yeast.
3: I don't know this actress, and so I didn't realize she'd become a major part of the plot, this Kathleen Quinlan. I know I've seen her in stuff. I think her biggest role was, uh, she was Oscar nominated
2: for Apollo 13. She's Tom Hanks' wife or something? Uh, One wife. I can't even remember if she was Tom Hanks.
3: I've seen that movie recently. I didn't recognize her, but, you know, I wasn't paying close attention to who was playing the wives in that movie, but... I thought this was going to be a dumb security guard. That's kind of how she plays it. And the way that she's very close to opening the door for that scientist who says it's a malfunction. I'm shocked that she is such a big part of this movie. But I love her for not listening to him and for making that call. Although she does have to have Richard Dysart call up and be like, I outrank him and you lock this place down.
2: Well, I think the reason why you think Joni is more than just the security guard that has the power to open or close doors is that during all of this, she's staying in close communication with her husband, who is the local sheriff and on the outside. And Sam Waterston, he's a miscast. I'll just go ahead and say he seems wrong for this role, but he would be the obvious biggest star outside of Yafet Kodo here.
0: And their relationship, they're married. Are they really having problems? Like, we get a call back to, for us, for losing it, about Mexican divorces not being legal in Utah. If you've heard that review, we talk all about Mexican divorces. So that was fun. But it seems they're so playful that it's just talk like, hey, hurry and come home and get this Popeye's chicken and let's hang out.
3: Yeah, I didn't think they were having trouble. No, I
2: would actually say this movie works very, very hard to never create trouble. Like, we don't want anything to escalate too much. feels like a TV movie in this way. Yes. You know, TV used to be about comfort, and we didn't want to get really freaked out watching a television movie. You go to a big screen movie if you want to get scared. But on TV, we want things to just be relatively safe. And here, yeah, these feel like likable people. He's studying law because he's too smart to be a sheriff of a nowhere town. And yeah, they just seem like nice, pleasant people that could have their own drama series after the Waltons or Little House if they wanted to. But no, they're in a virus movie. And that means that she's going to tell him, go get this ex-employee while Yafet is going to walk me through what I should be doing.
3: Meanwhile, we see Nielsen, and he's force-injecting people with an anti-serum.
2: Yeah, and you know shit is going down because they don't know what this is going to do. Like, there's some debate about whether this even works, but they know that the alternative is they're going to look like the mice and the monkeys in the cages. Like, the animals are already telling you what this outbreak is going to look like. They're fighting in their cages, they've lost their composure, and so they're just shooting them and throwing them in the furnace. It's kind of... it's. Maybe the most brutal scene in this entire movie, and it is letting you know that this is going to be the fate of all of these scientists on P4.
3: The fact that they had an anti-serum, though, I mean, that's a cure, so they're going to be okay, right? I mean, Richard Dysart seems calm, and, you know, he's usually a voice of reason. He's the head of the Institute. All I can say is if they had sold the toys for this
2: movie, it would have been a big hit in my household at least. What toys did you want from this movie? The scanner. Are you kidding me? If you could hold it up to people and see like their fluorescent
3: boils and all of that shit? Yeah, you buy a black light and you could do it. You really can and instead of seeing boils, you can find like semen if that's what you want to do when you go to hotel rooms.
0: Yeah, never light up a black light in a hotel room.
3: Yeah. No, but it would be fun. The suit, all of that
2: stuff. The injection gun at the end. That gun is cool. Maybe I'm just the kid of a public health official, but I would have loved to play with all of this stuff. It's hilarious to me. Well,
3: that gun at the end they stole from
2: Star Trek, right? It's a real thing. Yeah, your dad couldn't get you one, Stuart? I, apparently not. He wasn't high up enough. <laughs> But Leah, let's talk about your Italian cousin, because I do think that Yafet comes with a lot of clout. He is really cool here. I always find him to be a commanding presence, even when the movies aren't very good. Major Connolly, I like the way he plays it. He thinks he's in a small town, and he can talk about religion, and you're from the church, and I'm just going to let you know about some yeast.
0: I mean, it is Utah, so probably, yeah, they are religious.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely trying to pull wool over your eyes, and I think you sense that. And I think we respect Cal, the sheriff, a little bit, because he's going to be like, yeah, no, I don't believe in God, and I don't believe what you're saying. And I don't know if it comes through in the final film, but we're supposed to understand he's walking with a limp because he had polio,
3: and he's deathly afraid of bugs and viruses. Yeah, he says he had polio. I've I've made note of that since we talked about polio with uh, Panic in the Streets. But did you get the sense that he was maybe even phobic about germs?
0: No, I never got that sense.
3: I didn't get it until they went into the lab, and then I'm like, well, that's a little bit strange, but I think anybody would be strange about going into a plague
0: center. Yeah, any place with zombies you don't want to go into. I figured that's why he was worried.
2: But, you know, if you talk to people that had to go into iron lungs that were had contracted polio, like, it did, I mean, my dad's second wife definitely was scarred by it. I kind of like that character detail. I wish this movie has such nice little realistic moments that, unfortunately, I don't feel like this director is doing the best job of selling his best material.
0: Here's my problem, is that this scientific stuff is never scientific enough. It's not a dramana Strain level, and this movie's never pulp enough. You know, it's not 28 Days Later. It's not Return of the Living Dead.
3: I'm actually enjoying this for the scientific realism it brings to it. Yeah, I like this first half
0: where they're focusing more on the science.
3: Yeah, I like Yafet Koto. I understand he's trying to be condescending, but he's also the man in charge who brings in semi-trucks and RVs and tons of equipment that was ready to be mobilized and got here in a matter of hours. And Meshack Taylor. That is Hollywood at the (laughs) controls there. Really? I did not notice him. Oh, yeah. And that's what I found funny
0: is like he's trying to tell this story. Oh, it's experimental yeast and we don't want to ruin your crops. And then all the semis come rolling in. And it's like, come on, guys. The government's got to be smarter than this. Got to be more covert.
3: Yeah, but I'm really going with his character, which you said you weren't stewards. I'm more trusting of him than I am of Sam Watterson, who like breaks in and sees the cameras when he shouldn't be in there. I think Yafet Kodo is going to save our day. Oh, you trust him. That's interesting. I definitely didn't trust him. I just
2: thought he was a cool presence. He definitely felt like the role that always the military seems to play in one of these. When we get to Outbreak next week, I think we're going to see that the military is always trying to cordon things off, control the situation. and They're actually kind of a villain for that. They're always kind of causing problems, and it will be for the upstarts like Cal to try and get their own justice
0: this team is kind of benevolent like they're going in arnie did you get the star wars reference it's got to be a star wars thing right the group in p4 is the blue harvest group which was what the code name for star wars when it was being filmed i didn't
3: catch that
0: but yes <laughs> it was return of the jedi's code name return of the jedi that's what it was which yeah this came out a few years after that well this director writer did work on return of the jedi then that had to be it but you know at first they're going in and they're going to try to solve it and then later on they're like well let's just seal it off and let everyone die I'm like there's your government for you."
2: Cal is I think the obvious hero anytime you put a sheriff in here and again the fact that he's got a wife on the inside and they're coming up with a plan and the fact that they know about this ex-employee who's going to data dump information about what was really going on there these are your heroes these are the three that we're most going to pay attention to even though there are a lot of characters and a lot of moving parts and unfortunately again the producer talked at length on the DVD put out by 20th Century Fox how much they hated 20th Century Fox while making this movie and that some of these scenes they felt like they didn't get the coverage they needed to tell the information how do you guys read when Cal goes to talk to this guy does it explain enough for you I feel like it doesn't feel like a complete scene to me like I don't know why all of a sudden he's convinced to come and help When what is out of his mouth a few seconds before is, I'm never going back to that place.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I got who Fairchild was. You know, he didn't want to do the germ warfare thing and he quit. Yeah, I kind of just took it as, oh, okay, maybe I'll try to go save some people because that's a good thing to do. It's not very developed.
2: Yeah, and you understand that he created the antitoxin that Nielsen is the one injecting into all of the scientists down below. Yes, I got that. And now they're all dead, or apparently dead, because the closed caption TV shows them just all lumped in a pile, and uh, Yafet Koto's character is just writing them off. I think the plan is we're just going to send in our blue team, see if we can go get that antitoxin, and we get the, I guess, the most action-packed part of the movie yet.
3: I was really nervous that they're breaking into the building, because how are they going to get in and the germ not get out? Well, they have that tarp up. I don't know. You put up some plastic. (laughs) It keeps it in. That's how it works, I think.
2: It's very scientific. Too scientific for me. But yes, they've drilled a hole in through the concrete I think so that they're not going through the door where they know they'd be bum-rushed. They don't want the people to get out. Infection will spread because the people are infected, and this is why we've seen the three people that got out put in bubbles and being put in a trailer and observed for the next 48 hours.
0: Like bubbles with legs (laughs) so you could walk around, almost like those
3: inflatable sumo suits that you could get. Again, toys. The marketing possibilities of this movie are endless. See, I've seen The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. I've seen Bubble Boy. Oh, we just watched this this past weekend, yeah. And that is, I
0: feel, is a far more believable bubble than this. I mean, John Travolta just in an aquarium is great. Yeah, that, that's a real life bubble. <laughs> I'm loving the bubbles. I'm loving all of
2: this stuff. And again, we're now starting to see, all right, monkeys and rats. And now all of these scientists on level two, supposedly the ones that never go down there and deal with the scary stuff, The ones that deal with the plants, they're acting kind of aggressive. They really want out so bad that they're going to, like, break off the lamp, the electrical cord, and, like, jab
3: it on their lovely security officer. It's kind of a brutal scene. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it went there. I couldn't believe that they grabbed a lamp, started sparking the wires. Like, I got that they were mad at her and I got that they were using an axe to get out and I thought they might even slap her a little bit. No,
0: they torture her. But they
3: instantly go to the electrical wires. Even G.W. Bailey's like, I think that might be a little too far.
2: Yeah, people get contract this. I guess they're getting it all at the same time, but I think it impacts certain people more rapidly than others. Because this Tippet guy—oh,
0: was that a manifestation of the rage? Because I just took it as they really wanted to get out of there. Oh no,
3: come on, no, this this is letting you know that they have the virus. No, no, this isn't the rage. The rage only comes after you die and come back. No, no, no. They yeah. have the they have no. the rage in this moment. That is why they are doing that. No, I think they're doing it because they're having a flight or flight reaction. Yeah, I just took it as a crazy crowd. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're having a mob mentality. This is not the rage. Because if you look at Richard Dysart's group, they were all perfectly calm until they died and came back. And if you look at Bob, Bob was perfectly calm until he died and came back. This guy is just a fucking nutso. He's not rage.
2: Okay, well, we saw different movies then.
3: Do you have any other instance of rage before
2: the death? I mean, we haven't don't have a lot of instance about it manifesting in general. Like, I feel like it's not really well established, the rules of it. But by this point, Bob is already quivering and falling over. And they've had a scene where they have that scanner... And they try to fool us. Everyone's scanning their face early on, and they're not seeing anything. And they scan Schmidt, and he's like, let me know if I have anything glowing on me. That means I'm infected. But he keeps his eyes closed. And we'll find out the reason why he's spreading it to all these people, and why all these people are going to get sick, I think in this moment is because it's hidden underneath his contact lenses. We saw him take him out briefly.
0: Well, yeah, that is how it got out of P4s. He brought it up through his contact lens. It didn't get destroyed when he took that shower because it's in his eyeball. I guess he closed his eyes.
2: Yeah, and and this Tippett guy is also the one that just, uh, the rescue party's here, and I'm just going to bum rush them even though they've got like a machine gun on me. I mean, again, that is not normal behavior or even panic person behavior.
3: But those are the guys who died and came back.
2: So those are the rage-filled people. Mm, they have not died yet in fact he won't come back because he gets gunned down no that this is Dysert's group this is P4 they're going into T- I'm not talking about them I'm talking about when the blue suits show up the first people they meet are trying to rush that door tip it the guy with the lamp cords oh yeah yeah okay yeah I still think he was just a nut I think you're missing the point when you just say, oh, that's just how people are when they get cooped up. Admittedly, all in quarantine, I noticed some kooky behavior in this household, (laughs) but I really think the point is they're trying to tell you how bad it's going to be once they die and come back and get all the boils and all of that.
3: Well, you're making me not like this movie at all because I liked it as showing true mob mentality in reaction to possible contamination. You could still have that interpretation, Arnie. (laughs) You don't have to go with what Stuart's saying. I'm not. Yeah, because I don't see that.
2: It's foreshadowing to me. If this is about rage and we know that these characters are being infected, I don't know why this abnormal behavior, again, that Schmidt is calling out is inappropriate and not like these characters would be happening. Meanwhile, I do love the fact that we have a control group. Like, there is this cafeteria. In the teacher's lounge? Yeah, the, the Dr. Bernal has locked the door. He's like, I've got video games in here. We've got snacks, Frito-Lay. We don't need to go out of here.
3: I loved that. They had the Star Wars video game machine, too. I did catch that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we can see that not everyone on P2 is impacted in this way. It's, again, everyone that's been around Schmidt, he has refused to open that door. Even when Schmidt was like, hey, eh, let's all go home. It's all over. He's like, nope, I don't trust you. And the one thing that we're wondering is, so when is it going to happen to her? When is it going to happen to Joni? Because she's being herded into a room with all of them and even Bob's Presumably dead body? Does she? I, you know, she does put a little tarp over his head. I think they all presume that he's not just incapacitated, but not. Are we really saying that they come back from the dead? Like, is this a zombie movie? Is I guess my question.
3: Yeah, I firmly believe it to be a zombie movie.
2: I feel like he could have been shallowly breathing. I feel
3: like this movie is not crazy enough. They don't establish it either way. But I mean, Bob is the closest we really get. The others are just in a photo, and they're like, "Are they dead? Or are they not dead?" But Bob dies and they put a tarp over him like you know a body bag type covering and he comes back. So that's why I think they're zombies. They come back with boils. They come back to kill. It's a talking zombie movie. He definitely comes back like a zombie. Like he watched Thriller five times. Like that was his (laughs) character study of like,
2: okay, I'll just stand up like this and hold my hands forward like I'm Frankenstein and Mm -hmm. run them through the glass and She blinded me with science. I do love the... She just starts taking instruments and whacking him. Like, that's what's available to her. And now we are at least in... I don't want to call it an action movie. Like, this movie's too nerdy to go there. Mm,
0: I would never say action.
2: Yeah, it definitely feels like it's straddling a weird line of, we want to be Andromeda Strain, and we want to be nerdy and slow and not get too crazy. I mean, they know what a zombie movie is. I mean, we've had Dawn of the Dead. They certainly could have gone there. But there's, it seems to be the choice of this screenwriter to try and honor some level of realism that most zombie movies don't.
0: Yeah, and I do like things like like you get this crowd building up outside the facility like they want to know what's going on with their loved ones and you know in, in 2020 we panic by buying up all the toilet paper but in this film they panic by just trying to knock the doors down and so I like that you have craziness going on inside of the lab stuff going like you know all this multifaceted stuff it's keeping me engaged because I'm not quite sure where this movie is going and then we find out the dead bodies are coming back to life I'm like oh okay that's the decision they made
3: and yet I'm going to roll with it because because this movie has i've liked its virus i've liked its suits but with the acting i'm getting i can kind of take this as richard dysart in another body invasion your friend is now your enemy kind of movie like the thing i'm actually a little bit happier that this is gone schlock i
2: feel like this screenwriter is much better at the talky exposition stuff than when it's time to go into the tunnels and we have the blue team get it with
0: axes. Like It's not good.
2: This is where you wish you did have a director that really loved gore, had an appreciation for effects, yes. was really wanting to go there. Because when we have the murders and such, they're so tame. Again, I thought of like
0: primetime movie of the week. And and you said you watch this on cable all the time, Stuart? Uh, many, many times. Yeah, it it just feels like something you'd watch on, on cable on a Saturday afternoon.
3: Yeah, it really, I was surprised to hell that this was rated R. It was? Because this violence feels PG. Wow, yeah. This is PG-13, man, at best.
0: I mean, Andromeda's Strain was G. This this is, can you get lower than a G? Because this is <laughs> yeah. way more tame.
2: Well, let's just be clear. Andromeda's Strain was mislabeled. That had boobies and <laughs> and monkeys asphyxiating. So, like, it really wasn't G.
3: Yeah, but this really isn't R.
2: <laughs> it really isn't. And it, we get that in this tunnel scene. Once we see it all done, like, in blurry footage, and we realize they're not going to go with gore, it is a strange feeling. On one hand, I... I'm like, oh, this is more than an Outbreak movie, but less than a Romero zombie movie. So where is the balance here? We have Joni essentially dragging Smith down to the fourth level lab to try and get some answers and a radio for help.
3: I know Mannequin wasn't out yet, but has she not seen Police Academy? You don't save this guy. Just let him (laughs) die.
2: (laughs) <laughs> it is weird that he is, like, a character that is not already dead. Like, I feel like he should be playing the Bob role. Uh-huh. Like, this is someone you knock off really early. Like, first victim stuff.
0: No, the fact that he's, like, apologizing to her. I'm sorry, you were right. Like, Lieutenant Hare is very sympathetic in this movie.
3: Yes, <laughs> so more than he ever was in Police Academy. And he's actually decent at playing it, too. I mean, I did at one point think, Switcher, this is for my mama. But other than that, I mean, he's playing it... In a way that does not feel rubber-faced. I've always thought of this guy as only playing buffoons. Yeah, you're right. He is not bad.
2: But unfortunately, because of our associations of of the movies he's been in, yeah, we're waiting for him to be the punchline. And yeah, it's just, it's a weird choice. Like so many, like, like Sam Waterston. I mean, that's where I keep landing. Is like, we really do want a hero at this point. We really want someone... The screenwriter kept saying, I didn't want to make clear-cut good guys and bad guys. I feel like that might have been the wrong choice. I think we really want the sheriff to be tougher than Sam Waterston driving his pickup truck into the front door and getting a nosebleed and walking away.
3: Well, he does go to get a hero, right? I mean, the Dr. Fairchild character, he seemed out of left field to me. Like, shouldn't the person with the cure be somebody... More closely associated with the lab other than somebody we just drive and go see. I don't know how you come up with a
2: cure before you've actually get it to work. That's the weird part. like he, <laughs> I found
0: the cure, but it doesn't work. Well, yeah, his cure didn't work. That was the problem.
2: yeah, major Connolly, like that's what he that's one of the big reveals that after his team gets killed. You know, he was like, well, the, the antitoxin doesn't work anyway, which makes you wonder why they were going down there, what they were hoping to really get. But maybe they were just going to burn up the lab. Maybe that's what Blue Team was really going to do if they weren't going to get the antitoxin. But he knows it doesn't work. And this guy left before it got perfected. I, my sense is it's close. It's like missing the one ingredient that will get solved in this movie that allows it to work. The power of pregnancy and estrogen will enhance the antitoxin he he already has made. But yes, he is... Yeah, maybe he should be in there already. Maybe it would be better to have him be the Dr. Frankenstein character or the Schmidt character. I do feel like it's a weird pairing when we have yeah these two milk toast Cal and Fairchild.
3: I just think it's weird that the only time we leave the site, really, is to go see this Dr. Fairchild. And w- I feel like... I don't know what the better choice is, but maybe he's stuck in lab three or something. Maybe they're working with somebody on the inside who's in there with the survivors or something. I just don't like that. There happens to be this retiree who still decided to stay in Utah and actually work in agriculture instead of just making it his cover. And this is the guy who we're going to go get. It just, it feels convenient that this guy just is sitting right there.
2: I also feel like it weakens Cal that he has to, like, go get a friend to help him do it. Like, your wife's in there. There's an outbreak. Like, you could be doing all of this stuff without having to get approval from the scientist guy like you needed to just be busting in there and finding a way inside through this vent and we don't need Fairchild we can have him working with her
0: because doesn't Cal literally have to make the antitoxin like he's the one they get the recipe and like he's the one that stirs the chemicals together it's not even Fairchild that does that
2: (laughs) it's a strange pairing once they finally get down there but yeah it's Half Andromeda strain? I mean, again, more attention is being paid to the science than you would think a zombie movie would want to, and yet it isn't so smart that I feel bedazzled by all the epidemiology that I'm learning. And I think we can all agree, right? We wish there were more zombies. We want more death. We want a higher body count.
0: I wish there was more blood, more zombies, more gore. Like, if that's what they're going to do, then give the audience what they want.
3: Yeah, we get... Joni with Schmidt in the basement, where her grand plan to save them is put a cart in an elevator so that it won't close the doors and she's trying to move some stuff in front of the door I'm like this is not gonna work I want more of a Night of the Living Dead feel if you're gonna have these resurrections and
2: part of the problem is this was all shot in this high school that was on one level and so the idea that there's four levels you know they had that great set that Oscar nominated set in Andromeda Strain and here they're just having to pretend
0: that they're going down further and further I just feel like I'm in the hallway of a high school most of this film
2: (laughs) you are that is exactly where you But
0: I shouldn't feel that (laughs) if this was a professional film.
2: Yes, I I agree. Like, it would be nice if they had the set of last week to be doing some of this now that we're in the chasing stuff. Now, I'm not saying I want lasers and poison gas and all that central core (laughs) shit that they did in the last eight minutes of Andromeda Strain. But you know what I'm saying. It would be nice to be able to showcase certainly the claustrophobia of where they're holding up as they're trying to find the answers through science. And yeah, Cal is as tough as he gets, as he gets like a pressurized oxygen tank and turns it into a flamethrower or something. He gets like two lab coats is like the body count. Here.
3: <laughs> I mean, they kill several of these people. They're going to cure more than they kill. But yeah, some of them are going to get shot down. Those are not going to survive. Bob is not going to make it out of there.
0: Do you feel anything about these deaths? Because I'm like, okay, this isn't a great zombie film, so I'm not getting a lot of pleasure with these people dying. Am I supposed to feel sorry for them because they're just victims of this virus? I'm kind of just glazed over at this point because I'm losing interest.
3: I'm still into the virus part. You know, the fact that it's airborne. You know, when the doctor and the sheriff go down there in those suits, both of them tear their suits. They're fucked. Why is Joni immune? What is going on there? I caught that even before the doctor calls it out. I'm like, well, she is not getting it. I thought the whole thing would be she's the woman. She's the only woman in this whole damn movie, except for Bob's girlfriend. So
2: no, I, I thought that too. But there is actually one of the zombie attacks is a chick in a lab coat. Okay. So like that was my theory too. It was like, why is no one drawing the obvious conclusion? The reason why she's not infected and everyone else is, is that she's a woman. But it, it isn't true. If
3: you look at the extras, there's at least one, at least one blonde zombie woman. I missed her. But yeah, I'm still into this movie and I'm finding Richard Dysart to be quite amusing because he's kind of himself, but also murderous and it is a pale imitation of the thing. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't thinking too much
2: about the thing. I mean, he was one of many guys in there. I don't think of it as Richard Dysart's movie, I guess. I think of it as Kurt Russell and Wilford Brimley's movie, (laughs) strangely enough. Keith David, maybe. But you have the affection, I think, because of L.A. Law. I didn't watch the show. For me, it's the same tease as Andromeda Strain. Why is a baby and an old man not infected? What is the medical mystery? Uh, It gets solved rather easy. I mean, I feel like she's pregnant is. Maybe something Fairchild should have come to long
3: ago when he was developing his uh, antitoxin. I'm just, the science at this moment makes my head hurt. It does. The fact that, why is it spiking? Oh, congratulations, you're pregnant. Oh, I'm going to die. The sheriff is just going to inject me with, I think it's Thorazine? What about all these other chemicals? And that's the cure? The sheriff came up with the cure? No, 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 no. He typed it out.
0: Yeah, Fairchild before he died typed it out. Well, before he tra-
2: changed, I mean, we're, we're saying dying, but before he's going to become full zombie, he was working by himself and typed into the computer and they cut to an insert shot of him saying it's one part pregnancy. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but insert pregnancy mixed with my antitoxin and throw the Thorazine in to keep the patient asleep while it all works. So basically his antitoxin was more or less all the way there, but it needed that estrogen from a yeah it just needed more pregnancy woman in it
0: (laughs) is that hgc you know people drinking pregnant women's piss to lose weight Uh, that's basically the uh, cure
3: uh, people do that
0: yeah that was a thing a while Uh, back
3: uh, god damn
0: (laughs) i mean i think it was like diluted and stuff but it's still pregnant woman piss At any rate, uh, yes, it is all kinds of
2: convenient and happening too fast, and even the screenwriter-director admits it's much in the commentary. He's actually really hard on himself to listen to this movie there's nothing I could say that he wouldn't get to first and be harsher about. Like, he's really like, oh, I should have cut. It was really his editing choice. He's like, I should have tightened this up. This goes on too long. I agree. <laughs> I needed to do all this. He was feeling very much like, yeah, he didn't have the money to fully get his vision in. And he didn't have the skill that a director really needs to direct this. So, again, I felt like it's hard to pick on a guy that's humble enough to know I shouldn't direct any more movies.
3: Yeah, And that comes through. <laughs> think he's failing i don't think it's an f you know yeah agreed agreed no it's not awful It's no Satan bug.
2: But he's not Romero. He's not Carpenter. He's certainly not even running towards the horror genre. And that is both, uh, seems like a mistake, and kind of the charm at the same time. Like, I can't help also feeling like its nerdiness is what makes it feel distinct and and different from something like Return of the Loving Dead.
3: Yeah, I mean, we already have the crazies. So this is a little bit different to it. And I like the action scenes. There's literal suspense for me when the infested are overrunning Sam Waterson and they have the gun. I'm like, well, can he get the gun on them? I mean, I kind of figured he would, but I, I did think Fairchild might die. I thought Fairchild could die for his sins. It looked like from Day
2: of the Dead, like the, that moment where they all hoard around and like I'm waiting for body parts to, and limbs to be torn off or something. But it, it again, The instinct of, like, let's not have it too scary. Just all you got to do is inject them and they fall over. It just, it resolves itself with incredible ease. With the kind of ease that you would think the director of an R-rated theatrical film would not want to give in to. The strangest thing, I think, is that we know that Cal has the virus. He's here with his wife. You're telling me they don't have any marital problems? He can't show any fury towards her? That they shouldn't play with the idea that she... May lose her husband or that her husband may get rage virus and attack her for things like that's a tension you want to lean into, like with having them being a married couple. That's something you just want to do. Yeah, miraculously, she just has, like, a jar. Like, it looks like cherry Kool-Aid she's just pouring into. Just everyone gets spritz. I don't think cures work that way. I feel like (laughs) this is really all kinds of silly.
3: Yeah, I thought it had to be injected. Now you can just put it in the sprinkler system? And haven't they already injected
2: everyone anyway? Why get everything wet?
0: Not Nielsen. Like, that's the weird thing is he runs away and shoots himself. Yeah, he can't bear the thought of
2: giving up research. He would rather go out. I mean, because obviously this lab is shut down, right? We can all agree. (laughs) No one's going to buy that. This was all about yeast at this point.
0: Uh, It's just going to reopen up in some other rural town.
2: (laughs) That may be, but uh, he feels he's ruined. And so, uh, you know what? We always want the person responsible to pay with his life. Dr. Frankenstein did. That is the trope of this kind of movie. If you mess with science and do something bad, you don't get to live even if someone else comes up with the antitoxin.
3: But isn't it strange that the Rage people didn't attack each other? You want Dr. Frankenstein to be killed by the monster, not to just kill himself before the cure.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. It would be more satisfying if his creation took him out. That is the Frankenstein myth. And so, yes, if they had swarmed him.
3: Well, they said that the people who get infected with Rage, like after they come back from the dead, they die for good 12 hours later. So, like, if the cure took a little longer, if Richard Dysart just didn't get cured in time or something, it wouldn't be tragic, and then you wouldn't have to have him kill himself. And again, R-rated movie, that is a really weak suicide by gun.
2: Yeah, off-screen, no blood. Again, where is the violence? Where is the thing that makes it restrictive for younger audiences? I don't
3: see why this couldn't play on primetime without any edits. And then it's just... Over. Yay. Everybody's sprayed. Everybody's going to walk right out. I am not okay. No, I still want studies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for Dana. She finally gets out of her bubble just to learn that her fiance's dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, the fact that everyone leaves is really, really strange. The fact that you can have an outbreak and then everyone's like, well, it's Sunday. Gotta be going home.
0: Did you think before they even like just let them out? We had again that mob of villagers from this town. They're like trying to use welding torches to get this. I thought the government was gonna like just break out the soldiers, bring in the national guard, and just shoot them all.
3: I did too. But no, it just ends up very happy. Yeah, this is supposed to be our ticking clock. Yeah, well, the the thought is that it, yeah, if they
2: open it up, they don't know what they're doing. They're opening up. A virus that will, you know, then be harder to contain. Although, they got Dana. They could, they have a couple more bubbles. The problem is this movie hasn't really sold us on the idea that this outbreak could sweep the world. Unlike last week, the Andromeda strains seemed inevitable and terrifying for that fact. Here, yeah, there's no way that this thing is getting off the farm. Like, they got this. Yafet knows what he's doing.
3: Yeah, I thought that everybody should have been still under lockdown, taken to a hospital, studied... Find out if her baby's okay, you know. And this this quick happy ending's a little bit too much. Again, the director was
2: even saying, I should have cut here, and it went on for three more minutes. Like, this is the end of the movie, obviously, and I just let it go on. Like
0: I do love Fairchild. Like, hey, I make some mean zucchini pancakes and genetic corn on the cob. Like, I, I thought that was a nice little joke.
3: That's where he wanted to end it, but it doesn't. The really funny thing is they really have genetic engineered corn now and things. I I worked in that seed corn industry. I don't know if that's funny, but yes, they do. (laughs) I
0: thought it was funny just because, you know, we just saw a whole genetic lab facility go crazy. Now he's offering him corn with the same stuff.
2: Well, presumably not with the exact same stuff. Again, that was level four. Those foods are just fine on level three. And in fact, ask Dr. Murnau. They've been chowing on it the whole time in the cafeteria, and they're fine.
3: Yeah, I trust both of you are looking for that no GMO sticker then when you buy your produce. (laughs) (laughs) no sometimes i prefer that gmo stuff and make it
0: last longer i don't want a bunch of rotten fruit that seemed to be the byproduct of that
3: so jacob stewart do you recommend the rotten fruit of the movie called warning sign jacob i mean
0: this is one i had to think about like i was right on the line at the end usually i finish a movie i know where i stand this one i like that first half that it was kind of this slow burn more scientific take But here's the problem. This is how I ended up making my decision. Like, you watch a slasher, like people make stupid decisions in slashers and you're yelling at the screen, don't go in there, why are you separating? Get in the car, just drive out of town. What? But you know what, as stupid as those people are, you know you're gonna get to see someone in a cool hockey mask or a Freddy with his his knife glove and there's gonna be some cool gore and, and that's the fun of it. Here, I'm yelling at the scientists, why are you lifting your face shields? Like there's all these stupid things they're doing. Like in a typical slasher, and yet I don't get that fun I don't get that visceral release of gore and cool looking zombies they just kind of got some bad pimples and boils on their face and so if you're gonna set up that kind of movie then you gotta give me that you gotta give me what I want and here they want to try to stay scientific the whole time but they're also making stupid decisions and so it it just ends up not being a very smart movie but it's it's not awful it's no Satan bug it's way better than that but it sets up something it doesn't want to deliver on. So that, for that reason, I'm going to not give it a recommend. Stuart.
2: I know what you mean. I mean, there's definitely, I could condemn or give a pat to the back of it's cute, right? It's cute because it's so much more simple, so much more talky. I would argue smarter in an era full of campy horror comedy. Here's something that plays it straight. And half the time I believe what it's telling me. And then, yeah, there's the other stuff with flipping up the visors or, or what have you that, Yeah, it's BS, and TV movie of the week. That's where I land on it. This just had no place being in a movie theater. It always belonged on television. It feels small. It feels like it doesn't want to do anything that would truly upset the audience. It wants to inform, and it's made by someone that, yeah, apparently wrote a really good script. Everyone talks about how it moves on the page, but... He got John Carpenter's cinematographer. They should have gotten John Carpenter. I mean, think about how much better this movie would be if you had someone that appreciated the horror genre selling all of this good scientific information in a boilerplate horror movie scenario. It is kind of what makes it distinctive. It's why I thought like it fit in this series. It's nerdier than a zombie movie. It isn't a zombie movie. It is an outbreak movie. And I'm going to just eke it over the line and say it's
3: a passable, entertaining,
2: forgettable experience.
3: See, and that's where I was. Is I know we haven't said too much kind about this movie here, but when I was watching it, it passed the time, you know? I took it for what it was, which is a product of the 80s, and I do have a nostalgia for 80s horror films. And I'd kind of put this in that category. Yes, there's science to it, but... There's definitely an element of horror to it. Is it completely successful at it? It's not completely successful, but I did like some of the performances. I liked Sam Watterson when he almost didn't go down that air vent and I like Yafet Koto in every scene of this, and not just because he's my Italian cousin. I actually... No, he's cool. Nepotism. (laughs) No, no,
2: I'm with you on that. Yafet deserved a better part, really. I mean, I feel like
3: he needed to do more. Yeah, I wish he was the sheriff or the doctor. But he actually played so well as the government heavy, too, with full of authority that neither of those characters should have. But yeah, I wish there was more of him. I liked it when he was admonishing his people for not catching that air vent in the greenhouse. I just kind of rolled with this movie, and I can't say that there was a lot I liked other than a bunch of familiar faces that I know from other stuff getting together and having kind of a silly, zombie-esque infection movie, but I can give it a weak recommend.
0: I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. It's just a flip of a
3: coin which side that arrow is on. It's
2: harmless. And maybe that's part of the problem is that an outbreak should terrorize us. Well, people like the movie we're talking about next week. I remember it being kind of goofy as well. But it's a big hit. Everyone wants us to cover it. It's probably the second biggest movie
0: in this retrospective. It's the one I've seen in all these.
2: Oh, really? Okay. Outbreak. Dustin Hoffman, Rene Russo, Morgan Freeman. It's a big cast. Yeah, I was there in theaters.
0: I saw it back in the day. People like it? I don't remember it much. There's a monkey that he chased around. That's all I know. That is what I remember most, (laughs) is that it is a movie about
3: running after a monkey. And I don't like those movies. I remember people making fun of this movie. I, I know there's memes making fun of Dustin Hoffman's performance in this movie. I never knew this to be Beloved. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying
2: that it's some kind of classic. I'm saying that in the environment we currently live, it's getting high stream numbers. People are going back to it.
0: Yeah, after Contagion, it's Outbreak.
2: People are posting saying I went back to it to get information about what (laughs) it was like. Oh,
0: no, don't do that.
2: (laughs) And so it's going to be interesting to come back to a movie that, yeah, I don't have a lot of positive memories about. But I'm curious to see again. I'm actually very excited to see it again.
3: Yeah, I haven't seen it since the 90s. And, you know, I said about Panic in the Streets that I don't think I would have had the same feeling about it pre-COVID-19 as I do post-COVID-19. So that may be the case with Outbreak. As I watch it after returning to quarantine, maybe I will have a different feeling. Yeah, get some rest, get healthy. We're going to need you come Friday because we've got a live show. you got to be there. Yeah, we are going to rewind all the way back to now playing of 2009. We're not doing a live review. What we're doing is a watch party of Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. That's the one with Dr. Smith, right? <laughs> The one from the guy in Lost in Space? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We actually do need to do a redo of that podcast. You say it's not a live podcast, but it will have those elements. We will be talking to you, interacting with you, and basking in the glow of, yeah, our first real retrospective series going back to Friday the 13th is something I have not done in all of this time. It's kind of gonna be interesting to take a look back at The year 2009 feels so far away these days.
3: You know, you were on a telephone.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There was, again, a lot was different back then, and... Technology, all of it. But, yes, come join us. It won't cost you a thing except time and maybe some IQ points because it is Friday the 13th Part 8, but maybe that'll be fun.
3: And we're going to have Brock back for Friday the 13th Part 8 as well as a couple people who weren't on that show, Jacob and Marjorie, too. So five hosts are going to be doing this live watch-along. We're going to be doing it using Hot Mic the same way we did the live Oscar show. So download that app, participate in the chat there, And we will be talking to you guys live while Jason takes... It's really Jason takes a boat, right?
2: Yeah, you know, the Manhattan part. I'm not sure you ever... They they go north. They're like in Toronto. but (laughs) They call it Manhattan. Anyway, join us. You can explore all of this stuff. We're also going to be announcing what our big... Platinum donation series is going to be for summer because remember it was supposed to be Quiet Place Bird Box and well that got all left up so we have a new one you guys voted and the results of that will be announced when we do that live show and I hope you can join us for that and I hope you're able to join us on all of our Fridays these donation shows are a lot of fun they have nothing to do with viruses this week it's Tom Cruise and pool halls with color of money and we'll be getting the cocktail and Brain Man and alright Border on the Fourth of July is no picnic but most of them are kind of fun film
3: yeah and if you missed it we did Top Gun last Friday so a few days ago we got to hit the biggest Tom Cruise 80s movie maybe the biggest Tom Cruise movie ever that review is available now for gold level and higher donors or $25 and higher patrons head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate to hear Top Gun today and Jacob Stewart thank you for joining me until next time stay happy healthy wash your hands and wear that mask it's
1: gonna pull through it's gonna wake up and be just fine what makes you so sure of that? Yes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Miss Evans, let me assure you there is no cause for alarm. This is standard containment procedure. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast.
0: Now we're on the air. Everyone's listening.
1: Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. That'll flick their pick. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. On up, guys. It's time for the cavalry to rescue the wagon train. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the now-playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. What's that rescue team I heard about? Find a full list of available bonus shows at NowPlayingPodcast.com forward slash donate. Ask the creator for his divine assistance and pray for your ones. You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. You said you might be able to help. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. You've got to set your emotions aside and act like a professional. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. You, come with us. Now Playing podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I'm glad to see that you got everything under control here. Associate produced by Jason Latham.
2: I guess some people, they see a problem, they just got to solve it.
1: Now Playing is edited by Arnie. Well, what are you saying? It drives people crazy, that's what I'm saying. Now Playing credits read by Brock. That was quite a speech you made. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Please keep your opinions to yourself. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. You're not saying Uncle Sam doesn't live up to his international obligations, are you? All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended any new technology there are certain risks now playing podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vingonza media incorporated now playing is a Vinganza media production copyright 2020 and no part of this show may be reproduced repurposed or redistributed without the written permission of Vingonza media incorporated all rights reserved
3: oh look
1: look how much we've learned.
2: But I did have VD coloring books. No joke.
0: Wow. What color is herpes? Gonorrhea <laughs> is
2: green. Herpes is orange. Oh, I would have thought herpes was pink. Well,
0: you have to get your own coloring book then. Or herpes. <laughs> your dad didn't work for the CDC, Arnie. No,
3: he, <laughs> yeah. he just—he was just a cardiologist. Shit.
0: <laughs> There's all these stupid things they're doing. Like, like in a typical flat... Like in a typical... Not a flasher. Like in a typical slasher
3: that's oh
1: whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> hold
2: on what's happening are you my emulated? mic just fell on me <laughs> okay it sounds like you've got one of those old radio play like the the storm maker the <laughs> the, the plate <Play-Doh>. of <laughs> Metal. No, you shake. No, no. I put Thunder. the
3: microphone near the computer so that you could hear the computer. Yeah. And yeah. then I moved it back towards me and it like, started to collapse. All right.